What's up guys? It's a great day. This is Fuquan Bilal and we are back with another great episode of the PFREI podcast series. We interview experts in the real estate business in order to provide you with some of the best investment strategies and techniques used by leading fund managers, financiers, house flippers, and more. We appreciate every single one of you for taking the time to press play on the podcast and hope you enjoy this new episode. All right, we're back again with another great episode of PFREI. I'm your host, Fuquan Bilal. Make sure you check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all the other social media platforms. Today, we have Charles Tassel. Did I say that right, Charles? You did. All Thank right, you. great. All right, so today we got a great show for you guys. Um, Charles is actually the COO at National RIA. Now, he started uh, with single families and uh, up to 232 multifamily units, and now he's down to 120. So I give you the opportunity, Charles, to um, tell a little bit about your background and, and what you're doing these days with the uh, National RIA. Thank you, Fuquan. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. You start kind of in different areas, and it, you'd always kind of come back to those areas, whether it's the, the government and the policy side of things or the housing side. And I keep kind of moving in those two realms pretty consistently. And I can tell you right now, uh, that is one of the key areas that is just a focus point. Um, housing policy is area where I've spent 25 plus years of my life um, from living it as a property owner and a landlord and uh, property owner, property manager, investor, uh, buyer, seller, all aspects of it, um, having the enjoyment of having residents, having the enjoyment of not having residents, um, working on a commercial side a little bit and, and really growing those different expansion of, of opportunities. So I get a little passionate about uh, real estate because of that. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Now, I saw you, I had the opportunity to see you speak a couple of years ago at an equity trust event. I was like, I got to get this guy in the show because he was really, uh, you know, inspiring the stuff you were talking about. Um, this is really the first question I usually always ask the guests is why are you passionate for real estate investing? Well, and I, I, I it's a great question. And people have different passions for, you know, different things that motivate them. And one of the things I have a passion about real estate for is because it can touch on different passions or different motivators for a lot of people across the country, no matter what your life cycle is, what your life status is, it can help you. And whether it's starting off from the maintenance side and it's an opportunity of growth to becoming that, you know, weekend warrior and you build it on your work on your first house and you're like, Oh my word, this is taking a lot more than I ever planned on. And you tear open a wall and think, what did I do? Why am I doing this? Just selling it and going, I'm going to do this again. You know, and you, and you start down that road again. And, and next thing you know, you've got this portfolio and you're starting to talk in different terms and you're talking about ROI and cap. And it's like, wait a second. I, I, I'm just the same guy who was, you know, just recently talking about buying the first house and you, you start, you have this expansion of opportunities. And that really is it for anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur uh, and you've got any kind of entrepreneurial spark, real estate gives you an option to grow and to grow beyond anything you can do in a job. Wow, that was awesome. And now let's talk about the current situation. I mean, you actually, you know, have the ability to tie into all of the RIAs nationwide and get a feedback of what's happening in the markets. Um, you know, with this COVID-19 situation, you've been market cycle tested. You've been in the business for a very long time. You've been through 9-11, 2008. 
um, and earlier on. How do you see this playing out? I mean, realtors and investors are, you know, struggling in some sort of way and trying to understand how to navigate through these times. Yes. And, and let me talk about the immediate, the short term and the long term. How's that? So the immediate is this is move beyond the transactional relationships, get to know people. And this is about being human right now, because if you've got, whether you're doing a buying, selling transaction, you've got to find out, I've got a buyer who right now, he's got, he's got relatives that are on ventilators. They're in New York, you know, this is touch or go. And it's like, do we do extension? Yeah, we'll do the extension. What do we need to do? Let's get you through this. And then we'll, we'll come back together and work this out. Um, I've got residents you know, I've got seniors who it's like the first thing we were doing, going, making sure that we had cleaning materials to make sure that they're safe and healthy. You know, those are, those are the things you work on in immediate and really trying to figure out what it takes to get through this process. And then you come to kind of that short-term process or short-term step of, okay, now we're maybe, you know, hoping to see some coming out during May and lifting up of the economy and people getting back to work. And what does that look like? And okay, who is getting shaken out of this? Who is over leveraged? Um, who's going to be damaged by this? And, you know, is this something that financially I can say, okay, hey, somebody got over leveraged, I might be able to invest in a property and gain some ownership and some things like that. There's opportunities like that as well. And then longer term, you know, is this the setback that our economy needed in one sense to kind of reset? Because we talked about, you know, seven, eight, nine year growth period, even from slow growth to fast growth, however you want to talk about it, usually there's a setback at some point or a reset. Okay, we've had that, I believe. So now what do we do? And we've, we've cooled the jets on some of those hot markets. So whether it's a, you know, a Denver market, a Phoenix market, uh, LA, okay, so has it cooled enough? Or, and I don't know if you noticed just earlier this week, I heard a report over the last two weeks, new mortgages and new housings uh, uh, purchases have started to go up. And I, I have to think part of that is kind of the same thing. If you've been to a, a home Depot or something, while well, this has been going on, people may be locked in their homes, but they're now going, okay, I got all these jobs I want to get done. And the question is, are they getting the job done so they can live there or are they getting the job done so they can move out and go someplace else? And I think it's a little bit of both and people are going to be, you know, yeah, I got my honeydew list. We got to get done while we're on our lockdown. But the other side to it is you start bumping into each other enough and go, we need someplace else. I'm tired of this place. I need to go someplace else, which is going to be, you know, for the realtor side of the business, that's going to be a lot of traffic and people looking around and ready to expand or move, change what they've got. Um, but that also means that single family market, that kind of under two, 300,000, depending on where you're at, that market is going to stay hot. Um, and if you're doing rehabs and you're in that market, you, you've had a couple months here to, you know, go in and get your work done because you, you're an essential worker. You get to go in and do the work and you get to work, you know, from social distancing, but you get the opportunity to get this work done. And hopefully there'll be some more stuff coming on the market, but your stuff is going to be in demand. These properties that are, you know, you can't build them for these prices typically that we can remodel something for. So all those investors doing these flips, again, don't get outrageous with them. But if you're staying in a budget, 
you're going to have those first time buyers coming in and they're going to buy and there's going to be a demand for this. Yeah, I'm seeing that in the, like you mentioned, the lower end, lower value actually uh, properties, 200,000 and less mm -hmm. um, in the Ohio market and, and, you know, those other types of markets, they're really, really doing well. Um, anybody who's working on a high end flip is pretty much getting crushed right now. So, yeah. you know, that's really the reality of it. There's people who are in the uh, multifamily sector who is filling in also because a lot of those tenants want to move now into maybe a, a single family, renting a single family instead of renting an apartment. People in the retail commercial space, you know, they're getting crushed also, you know, the restaurants and everything else. So let's talk about that a little bit. What, from your experience in a business, what do you see? I mean, I've never experienced anything like this. It's like a 9-11 and 2008 together. You know, black swan event is, you know, basically what it's known for. And it's just no way to say, okay, here's the crystal ball. This is what we're going to end up at. There's a lot of political stuff going on. Uh, they're talking about free rents, you know, <laughs> don't pay the landlords. Like, okay, now what is the landlord going to do? Like, what do, is the government going to pick, give us money? Like, is there a package for us where tenants are not paying rent? Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I was actually just doing an interview, uh, Wall Street Journal, and I had another article, another little magazine, and they were they were asking this question about rent strike. And I made the comment, I said, you know, a rent strike, is, and, and the idea was, well, if we do a rent strike, then maybe we can actually start moving to getting landlords and residents working together. I said, that, that's economically naive, first of all. You can't just make the money disappear and make one link out of a financial chain disappear and expect the chain to function. All that you're going to do is actually make this link break, which means that the next link up, which means the mortgage person, mortgagee has to get paid, the insurance doesn't get paid, the utilities don't get paid. Oh, and by the way, those essential workers that we all talk about, they're called maintenance men. They don't get paid. The leasing person doesn't get paid. They're essential. Uh, so not paying rent or doing a rent strike is actually not paying essential workers. I mean, that's, let's start with that as an understanding. But then what happens is you're talking about taking it, I think you're exactly right, is to talk about 2008, because if we start seeing mortgage defaults go up, you know, mortgage deficiencies to start, and then defaults, now we start talking about a black swan event that changes us into a literal catastrophic financial crisis. And that is what we have to avoid. So I think there's a lot of funds out there. Um, there's a fund I just heard of yesterday that loaded up literally couple billion dollars within weeks, which would normally take months to build, to come in to buy some of those depressed or some housing or whether it's commercial, retail, and let's face it, retail is probably going to take it on the chin worse than anybody because, you know, okay, yeah, we used Amazon before. Now it's, hey, anybody who will ship to me, congratulations, you are my new best friend. And how, yes, I'm going to go out and do things, but I don't have to go shopping to do some of these. And yeah, then, you know, yeah. Uh, so there's there's going to be some of that. And I, retail was overbuilt in the first place. So careful what you do with retail unless you can reposition it. Um, but the other side is, if you've got some commercial space, if you're looking at, you know, there there's a whole defense act out there talking about bringing back specific kinds of national security. Um, industries. Well, I think that discussion is going to get a lot broader because now we're talking about masks and gowns and all these things that are becoming national security. Ups. That's a lot of industry that's going to come back and somebody's going to, they're going to have to build somewhere. And is it going to be a new build out someplace where there's no workers 
or they're going to build someplace where there are workers and they can actually maybe renovate a factory or renovate some other structure that's sitting there. So there's some interesting opportunities coming up. Yeah, what do you see as far as, um, you know, on a national level, uh, most of the rears, how are they reacting to this? Are they, are they setting up virtual now, uh, still giving information, you know, to the association and, and still adding value down the line? And then how do you see that going out? Because now, I mean, a lot of people used to do webinars and meetups and everything else. But the, the RIAs give you the opportunity to press the flesh, connect with people, make, you know, real deals. What's happening with that market? Because it's nobody's meeting now. And it's like, you know, I've seen a couple guys post like webinars and stuff like that. Well, we webinars, yes. And everybody's become, you know, fans of Zoom and everything else and learning how to do it. And uh, I just saw a Zoom bingo card the other day that said, wait for wait for seeing this kind of picture, wait for to see the spouse come in the picture, wait for the animal to come in. The, it was a great little thing, just described our life right now, which is we're living virtually. So yes, there are virtual aspects to it, but that also means th this is a great time to improve your own skills technologically. So if you've been using, you know, the, the okay, maybe I moved to Excel <laughs> rather than using a, a notepad for my notes for my rent, you know, now it might be time to go, hey, you know what, I'm going to do a virtual show. Here's my 360 virtual of my units that I'm going to show or my rehab that I just did. Here's what it looks like. So somebody who's sitting in their home or their little apartment, and they're all cooped up and they go, I want that. I, I want more space. I want to go there and learning how to do that. And, and th these are great opportunities now to Thank God for YouTube. I mean, it is amazing. As long as you don't go down the YouTube hole and get lost following one trail after another, <laughs> you know, but it, there's, there's learning opportunities there that you can really pick up and go, wow, I just improved my skills. Now I can present better. I can present virtually, which means I've opened up my audience much broader and improved myself and my sales and uh, all my products because of that. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for us in this time if we take it. Um, but you asked a question, and let me come back to it to start off with, which is, what are some of our RIA members themselves doing? And we've had some discussions. I've been doing some webinars with um, Knoxville, New Orleans, um, a couple other ones around. And, you know, it was interesting because one of the things we talked about was they're having residents, um, especially those who have landlords, they're landlords, and they have residents that are sitting there shell-shocked. And this, this is kind of going back to that human side I talked about earlier. When we look around and we see people who don't know what to do, a lot of us who get into real estate, we are entrepreneurs. We're self-starters. We're leaders. We, we look at somebody like, why are you still sitting there? And, and there's a little bit of time right now where we got to slow down and say, look, I understand you may be panicked. You may not be sure of what to do, but let me help you with some resources. And so what a lot of our RIAs are doing is saying, look, here's resources of, here's who's hiring right now. Here's where you can go for unemployment. Here's where you can go for assistance and, and handing that to residents and helping them move beyond just being paralyzed with fear. And, and that's, an, that's an important part that we can do individually as each person, you know, as local leaders. Mm, that's awesome. Amazing. So I see you, you went down from 232 units uh, and you went downward. Was that, it's, you know, down to 120 now. And it seemed like you were bragging about that actually, like I'm down to 120. Other people were like, I need to get more units. You're like, I need to get less units. What's the story on that? Well, there's a couple of sides. One is what kind of units do you have? Are they paying you well? And if you bought them at the right price, 
and somebody's willing to pay you a a good return. How's that? Is that is that a fair enough statement? A good return. Take the return and get ready. Um, I, I kind of go back to a, a statement, a, a little gentleman, poor guy, I think, uh, Warren Buffett, I think it was, made a comment about, you know, buy when everybody else is selling, sell when everybody else is buying. Well, when I've got people knocking on my door, sending me three to five letters a day on each property, I'm starting to go, everybody's buying right now. Hmm. And, and yes, I may have to sit for a little while with my cash, but man, that property I closed on on March 9th, oh man, am I a happy camper right now because I've got a lot of cash going into this next little wave here to figure out what I want to do. So those are, those are great opportunities if we take them. Um, and you know, that means looking at the market and saying, okay, yeah, it might be a little difficult for me to forecast on March 9th what my future is going to be as far as where can I reposition this cash to get the same return I was getting. But I need to make sure I've got some cash, especially as you're coming up into what you think might be a bubble. And I think across the country, there's not a housing bubble, but I think certain markets have some bubbles or at least had some bubbles. Um, and I think some of that's going to deflate. Now, depending on whether we have some structural crisis going forward is whether or not that will actually really deflate or if it will just start to retake back off. So we'll, we'll, time's going to tell on that probably in the next six to 10 weeks here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's everybody, the word now that for me is patience, right? Just mm -hmm. watching to see where the market is going. Everybody like, oh, the opportunity is right. And, and just like we talked about earlier, I feel as though in the lower value areas, the opportunity is right because that's a hot market, right? That's the affordability, right. affordable product. Right. Um, but for me, it's just patience because, you know, I believe into Q3, somewhere around Q4, all of those mom and pop sellers who did not make it through the gap, those are going to be guys that's going to be looking for liquidity. And it's going to be, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but I feel like it's going to be an abundance of product on the market. I'm already seeing properties come back mm -hmm. to the market. The stuff, the wholesaler is locked down and tied in the contract and people couldn't get financing. Now it's popping back up on the market. Right. Left and right. I have reports coming to me because uh, I'm a licensed realtor also. And I have the alert set to mm -hmm. send me every day. And I'm like, oh, I, I lost the bill on that property. It was back on the market. It was 10,000 less. Oh, no, I'm not going to buy it now. It could be, it could be another 10% another few weeks. So this is having that patience. It's like you're in a candy store. All this opportunity is popping up. Yeah. So talk about, let's talk about that a little bit um, for opportunities. I mean, you, you market cycle tested. You've been in different uh, market cycles. When do you think is going to be the best time to really start to look at opportunities and deploy uh, some capital that you may have, some liquidity that you may have at the moment? So I'm going to say, well, you mentioned patience. I think it's more of a, a steadiness, if I can, um, because whether it's the media or whoever, it's up and down and up and down. I have people call me, is this going to happen? Is it, you know, and. I, I'm a local elected official, so I have constituents that are concerned. I have uh, an elderly lady and her husband across the road. They're very concerned. And they're like, I'm not sure we're going out. And it's like, look, we'll pick up groceries for you. We'll take care of that. Just hang tight. Let's get through this part of it. And I think keeping your eyes open right now is critical. Uh, we just went and looked at a property. What was it? Uh, Monday morning, Sunday morning slid in there before church. How's that? Um, church is virtual. So it made it easy. I didn't have to get dressed up afterward, you know, so slid in, looked at a property and 
we, you know, it was one, it was bad. And this is one that, you know, if you were in the, the pre-March timeframe, you might've said, eh, okay, can I really make this one work? We turned our nose up and walked past it. And, and the idea is, I think there's going to be more coming and I'm going to sit tight for a little while and see what comes. But if the deal makes sense, I'm going to move on it. Okay. If it, if it's profitable for me, I'm going to move on it. I'm not going to say, well, I can bet I can sit back and wait for another 10% to drop off because I know there's also a lot of money and let's kind of talk about that federal national level. There are literally, literally trillions of dollars being shoved into our economy right now. So there's going to be money coming in. If I know I've got an exit strategy for that property, I'm going to pull the trigger on it because I'm going to make sure I'm getting in and moving forward. Yeah. The only thing is though, the uncertainty of the value, like, you know, you really have to add some risk adjustments in there. I mean, I'm now looking at stuff that if I can get at 25% off of today's value for me, then I know six months from now, who knows if the market drops 10, 15%, I'm okay because that's the way I priced it. So, you know, I've been reaching out to uh, my lead generators and saying, Hey, you know, guys, this is my buy box. Now it's changed to this It's risk adjusted. If you have something that fits this this model, then you know send it to me. So I haven't really been getting too many leads because of that, because people are still, you know, and you know it didn't drop yet. People are still uh, coming out buying, like you said. There's still a lot of capital that are coming out, but not too many people could get financing because the secondary market kind of slowed everything. So you have to have private lending or be right. a cash buyer in order to navigate through these times down. You know? Right. Well, and I think that's a key piece: is do you have cash? Cash is king, and if you have it. And, and whether it's an SBA 7A loan or something else, there are a lot of people sitting on cash. They're saying, you know, they're, they're looking to us who are, have our finger on the pulse going, is this a good time? Is this a good time? How about now? And part of it is, and I'll, you made an interesting point. You said, it, did, it, did the price or the value come down yet? And I halfway think that the part of the reason you haven't seen the drop in the value is because you haven't seen the market actually starting to really move. Everybody being still isolated and locked down, things aren't moving so much. Things are moving very slowly. There's some, you know, little buds here and there starting to pop up, but things are going so slowly right now that I don't think you're going to see the real washout for probably another three to six weeks on that side of it. As, as the economy starts to open up, more businesses start to occur, people can move around. Then, then I think you start to see that washout that you're talking about where you see some drops in values. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show, Charles. This is, uh, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you. And I, you guys should participate in your local real estate uh, investor association. And, uh, you know, I want to give you the opportunity to, to, to give your website and where people get in contact with you and final words of wisdom. You know, anything you can tell people who are looking new, looking to get into real estate or people who are involved in, in with an association, maybe thinking about leaving, you know, I think it's important to have that network. So, you know, whatever. I understand. I, I appreciate it. Quan. Thank you very much. And, and, you know, this is, you know, at, at national RIA, it's nationalria.org is our website and anywhere across the country, you can go to our website, find a local real estate investor association and get plugged in. Um, kind of, as you mentioned earlier about, you know, pressing the flesh, getting to meet folks. It really is about building your team and knowing where you bring value to that team and helping put that team together can really build value for your long-term wealth growth. And I don't mean just money, I mean wealth. And wealth is more than just the dollar amounts. 
because you'll be a better person for it and, and you're going to be a better professional, a better citizen, and you're going to have the benefits of being able to go to, as, as we just talked about, being very human, to reach out to somebody and say, hey, I, I know you're hurting right now. I can help you on that. And helping them may mean you can help them get out of a property. You can help them just sit down next to them as they're tired or lonely or whatever, but you're going to have those options. And that's one of the things that wealth builds you. And real estate is one of the best ways to do that. That's awesome. Well said. Well said. It's another great episode of PFREI. I'm your host, Fuquan Bilal, here today with Charles Tassel. Oh, man, this is a great This is a great episode. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your words of wisdom, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. I have a great day. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Passion for Real Estate Investments podcast. Looking forward to providing you guys with more testimonials from successful real estate investors. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at a passion, the number four, REI. Thanks so much, guys. And until next time, it's a great day.